You're tuning to Salesforce Way Podcast, Episode Three. Hello, everybody. It's Chi Xiao here. Welcome to Salesforce Way Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with our guest Nikita. To talk about his invaluable experience of using popular third-party frameworks such as Angular and React in building Salesforce apps, we discussed about why third-party frameworks are used, the pros and cons comparing to Visual Force Page and Lightning Component, as well as some technical implementation details, among many other interesting topics. So hopefully our discussion is as useful for you as it was definitely for me. Hello, what's up, everybody? This is another episode of Salesforce Way here. So today, actually, we are gonna talk with Nikita Verhoshintsev with a topic about third-party framework used in Salesforce, right? So,、yeah. so Nikita, why wouldn't you introduce yourself? Uh, so I am Nikita. I am the founder of the small consulting company called Digital Flask,、mm-hmm. as well as I am the UX lead at Flow Heaven. Mm-hmm. And we are doing the licensing relationship management software、mm-hmm. in the Salesforce. So it's the basically software available in the App Exchange for Salesforce okay. organizations. Okay. Actually, I know Nikita. You is from there is like a local developer user group for Salesforce in Finland, right? Uh, yeah. You were given a talk over there with a similar topic. I'm right. Yeah, basically in January I was given a talk about the using Angular and React as Lightning components、okay. for the Salesforce development. Okay, that's exactly the reason I want to invite <laughs> you to here. Okay, so firstly I want to set the theme actually for this episode. So we're gonna talk about like the third-party framework in terms of Salesforce and.、Uh, Like, why do we use it, and what's the benefit of using that? And I understand that it's not just like a hobby project. You really use it in the real life, a commercial kind、uh, of complex project. Yeah, we have been using it for our clients' projects as well as at Flow Heaven. We are using the third-party frameworks、okay. for the front-end part. What is the Flow Heaven? Ah,、uh, at Flow. What does it mean? Is a company or is a project?、Uh, it's the company, but、okay. we have our software like platform project. Okay. Basically, we are selling it as a service, like software as a service on、okay. the App Exchange platform. Okay. And your app or the software as service is using the third-party framework as well. Ah,、uh, yeah, yeah. For、okay. the front end, for the front end part, we are using Angular JS. Okay. Instead of, for example, Lightning Aura. Framework. Okay, Let, let's start from the Lightning part. So, so in Salesforce we have the native Lightning component, right? Yeah. And、uh, you decided to use some other third-party framework. Why is?、Uh, why is that? Actually, we even decided to use before Lightning came out, but okay. Like still, we are going to proceed with that one. You don't want to switch? Ah,、uh, no, no. Basically, well, why not? Ah,、uh, should. I don't know. Should we start with the benefits or the、uh, 
what do you think? <laughs> I, I have no idea. So because to me it's really natural because you know, Lightning component Salesforce company has been you know promoted for multiple years already, and of course, like developers are learning that we try to develop stuff on top of Lightning component. But your company seems like using a different route. You try to use third party. So I want to you know get the feeling and understanding why do you choose. And you mentioned that you already used it before, but you didn't want to switch. So there must be some thinking behind. Right? Uh, yeah, actually, there are a lot of things. First of all, I want to make a note that you actually can build Lightning components, and you can use third-party frameworks to build those components. So technically, you could be build the Lightning component. You can you can create the managed package for Salesforce, which eventually will be a lightning component, but it will be built with the third party framework. That's also possible. So you will be use it you will be using it natively in Salesforce, but So you mean wrapping the third party framework inside a lightning component? Uh yeah. Previously Salesforce didn't allow that, but okay. then I think that there were a lot of requests to allow. Okay. It, because a lot of companies actually using the third party frameworks for the Salesforce development. Okay. But a and your uh, projects were using this kind of uh, Lightning component wrapping, or is it uh, different? We are using it in the visual force, not in the Lightning component. Okay. Because okay. technically, we are managing it via the communities in Salesforce. So we like the whole community is just a visual force page with the third party framework. Okay. Uh, but regarding the benefits, uh, I can start from the end, actually, Okay. <laughs> because all the benefits lead to one like major benefit for the business. Actually, mm -hmm. it saves time and money for development, meaning that it's like the faster time to market, it, the low development cost, maintenance cost, and etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but how you can save money is basically because you can build things faster. Mm -hmm. There is like the great community of those third-party frameworks because they are much more popular than the Aura, for example, which is used for Lightning components. Mm -hmm. um, um, developer experience I in Lightning is kind of the pure develop poor developer experience because all the errors are think sync somewhere, so you, it's like it's really hard to debug. Mm. It's hard to develop. Mm. You cannot really develop in it locally, so you always need to like push it, it to, to the, the cloud. cloud. Uh, you cannot really take advantage of the latest version of the JavaScript code. Uh, it's kind of slow because I haven't seen the performance result, but it's even like based on the evidence, you can notice that rendering of the elements or re-rendering in, let's say, React and Angular is like working really fast. But mm. in Lightning components, you can notice even like a few seconds delay, it depending on your list. Mm. So oh. such things. Also maintainability, it's really hard to manage the modules. You don't really have like native tooling such as for example TypeScript has mm. the auto completion you can provide strict types for the JavaScript code which you cannot do in Salesforce mm. uh, so all the things together basically like okay 
then yeah. you decided that uh, maybe you don't go with the lightning component, then you use the third party. Uh, yeah, it's much easier. It's easier to find new talents to work mm. in your company. And it's much more popular, even if you face some bug or whatever. Mm. It's much more easier to find the answer. Okay. For example, in Stack Overflow or anywhere, because there's like right. hundreds of thousands of developers who are using this technology, okay. but they're not really using like our yeah. technology. Technically, you can build everything in Lightning components, but it's just a matter of time and maintainability. Okay. You mentioned a lot of ter terminologies or like the name of uh, frameworks. Let's let's just uh, recap a little bit in case somebody, you know, uh, some of our audience doesn't really know what it is. So you mentioned Angular, you mentioned React. I think these two frameworks, they are like very popular, the leading popular ones in the open source. Uh, yeah, basically the, the most popular, the most these popular. two. Yeah. And now also there's the Vue.js, which is becoming more popular, but I haven't really worked with that. Yeah. And then our role framework, which is like the baseline, the foundation for the Lightning component, right? Yes. That yeah, yeah. That's also open source project. Uh, yeah. yeah. So technically, it's not the Lightning, it's called Aura. Yeah. Aura. Okay. Lightning has some extra feature on top of Aura. Uh, probably. I'm not sure. That's actually. what I understand. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Might be. And of course, in the open source area, it's like a front-end developer world. There's so many people, so many developers comparing to just a Salesforce developer. So a lot of people contributing, like in GitHub or you know, Stack yeah, Overflow, like answer questions. So the community is huge. Also, the all the libraries, etc. Mm. You can use like a lot of stuff. Mm. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay, I don't even know our framework is. Was it originally from Salesforce or is it somebody else uh, developed it? I actually don't remember, but okay. I think it was developed by somebody else, and then just Salesforce was supporting it. Okay, but I'm not sure. Okay, because uh, I understand Angular. Originally, it was published by Google. Some people uh, from it's Google. It's still supported by Google. Okay. So basically behind the Angular there's Google and behind React there's Facebook. Okay. So these two, two gigantic companies yeah. are behind. Oh, but I believe that Google are not using Angular in their own projects. They are using React? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I, I think they're using something else just built for their project. At least I know that YouTube was built on top of Poly Polymore or something Polymore. like that. Okay, okay. Okay. Polymer. Yeah. An another framework. Or yeah, another framework. Okay. At least the new version of YouTube was built with the Polymer. Okay. But React was used at Facebook at some time back mm. in the days. They were using, I don't remember, for chat features or something like that. Mm. And then they decided to publish it as a framework. Mm. And uh, the project that you have been working with, it's been like multiple years already, right? Yeah, because I several years. I want your words to really back up your experience. You know, you you kind of like decided to go go with this route. Really, like the benefit you gained was originally how you thought it was, right? Like uh, the the development experience, how the the cost saving yeah. features, this and that. Okay, okay. Basically, the whole idea of every framework is to save your time okay. on development. It's, okay. It's could you walk us a bit more about like the 
architect of this area. So how do you really put the third-party framework into this visual force page or, or lighting component? How the data, you know, information is flowing, this kind of thing? Okay, so basically to load your uh, JavaScript application, the only thing you need is to HTML file, which will bootstrap all your JavaScript files, mm. which could be either the Visual Force page or it could be Lightning component or Lightning page. Mm -hmm. And to pass the data back and forth, you have to use API. So technically, you create the HTTP request mm -hmm. to either send or receive the data. And in Salesforce, you can use either SOAP or REST API. Mm -hmm. And there are also like different ways to do it. So for the SOAP, you can use web services. You can even create your own like manual SOAP request, of course. But there is also there are available web services in mm. the Apex. Mm -hmm. So you can register the class and create a method with the uh, annotation that it is the web service. Uh, then okay. there are also the native features are remote actions. I think they're using the REST API. Okay. That's also one of the native things. Mm -hmm. And you can also create your own REST API endpoints in Salesforce. To do so, you need to create a class with the annotation of REST resource. Okay. And you can use inside different methods for the get resource, get requests, post requests, etc. Okay. Delete, put, and update, I think. So we can both create a custom SOAP endpoint as well as uh, the REST. No, you cannot create the SOAP endpoint, okay. I believe, only REST. Okay. But there are a bunch of native SOAP endpoints in Salesforce. For instance, you can log in as a community user via the SOAP request. You can execute any method as a SOAP request as well. So okay. you just need to provide only the name of the class, name of the method, and you can invoke the action. Basically, that was what the web service does behind the scenes. It does the SOAP request. Okay. So either you can use this wrapper called web service, or you can make it by yourself. So the SOAP API actually is already kind of sophisticated. You can log in even with the community user account, and then you can interact with the SOAP API usually without any problems, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about the? It's it's it sounds like the REST API has some limitations here. Uh, actually, I would say that just the SOAP is kind of the old technology, and it's mm -hmm. not really native for the JavaScript applications. Right, right. Because usually you are sending JSON back and forth, which is JavaScript object notation, mm -hmm. and SOAP request uses XML. Mm, right. So that means that if you receive the response, you have to parse the mm. XML, which is kind of yeah, not I the I understand. <laughs> yeah, and with the REST, Salesforce automatically serializes the JSON for you okay. and sends it. Mm -hmm. But for example, if you're using the web service with the SOAP, you have to make your response as a string. So you have to manually serialize the object and okay. send it as a string value. Okay. You cannot just like uh, return contact, for instance. Okay. You have to serialize it. And some of some some of your project uh, has chosen the SOAP API, right? Uh, basically, 
the SOAP API was chosen only for one purpose okay. <laughs> in one pro project. The thing is in Salesforce that that's really interesting that every user can log in using like different kind of APIs. You can use REST. There is also even the JavaScript libraries to log in as a user. Okay. But when we are talking about communities, they are something different and the community user is the only type of user which uses the different path to log in and you cannot log with that features and you have to do the manual SOAP request to Salesforce to log in as a community user and oh, the problem was okay. that one of our project was actually to build a third-party community mm -hmm. which is hosted on their WordPress website and what like users can go to their website instead of the Salesforce and log in with their Salesforce credentials okay. and then proceed to the portal. And there was a challenge actually to figure out how to log as a community user. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that also funny because for mm. example community users they have this global username Mm -hmm. That means that if you're like registered in one community, for example, in US and you uh, go to another company and try to register with that username. Then or you can do that. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. And basically username is the email address. Right, so right. if it's already taken. I think it's for all, all type of users, it's the same thing. Mm. At least for... I'm not sure, but community definitely that's okay. the case. So the others, I think so, because you... That's why y when you use the same email address, you, you usually put like a dot sandbox at the end or dot partial, just, you know, just make it a unique. Yeah. Okay. Can we use the SOAP for these limitations and then use the rest for the others so that we can share, you know? Uh, yeah, I think. Why not? Okay. But basically... That's the only use case when you have to log in as a community user and you have your community like hosted somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That the only way, like the only use case where you have to use SOAP mm -hmm. for, like I haven't noticed any other like case in real life where you have, like have to use SOAP. So usually you're using REST for everything. Oh, right. And even if, the, you, for example, your community is hosted on Salesforce and you built it with the third party mm -hmm. library, you like you don't have to manage the login because it will be natively done by Salesforce. Okay, got it. The only thing you need when you make a login is the access token, basically the mm -hmm. session ID. Mm -hmm. So in in Salesforce, it's the global variable, so you can just take it. Okay. But for example, if you build the third-party application hosted somewhere, like okay, in other place, then you have to obtain this mm -hmm. access token somewhere. And mm -hmm. if you have to obtain it for community user, you have to use SOAP. Okay. But rest <laughs> of the stuff <laughs> is just the pure REST API. Okay. It's good to, you know, have people like you to really dig a little bit deeper into this kind of authentication, handshaking, data communication. Because usually, like me as like a junior Salesforce developer, I just use the API to do whatever. It, it allow us to do like in the Visual Force page or in the Lightning component. But the third party, you definitely had something that was not originally or, or natively supported. You have to find the way to do it. And luckily, it's easy in Salesforce. Uh, so far. Yeah, it's not so hard. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was hard to figure it out, but 
Okay, yeah, there's, no you know docu- there's no documentation. Uh, about not that. really. <laughs> okay, but isn't such a thing a risk that maybe in future releases it, it will break, or do you think it's a safe thing to do like this? I think they're still keeping the old API available okay. all the time, and that basically the one of the best practices. Even if you check, for example, Google API, mm. you can check that they still have the version two and version one, which is like the very old endpoints. Okay. But you still can use them only because, like, some services are using them. Okay. So they cannot really deprecate so just it. Take it away and say, "Don't use it." Yeah. Anymore. So that's okay. But the recent thing I heard, for example, Instagram blocked some of their API. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, you never know. Right? <laughs> Yeah, you never know, but this SOAP API, it what it is basically what Salesforce uses by themselves yeah, to right. authenticate. So kind of yeah. they cannot really remove it because they yeah. are using it. Yeah. If they they can probably change it a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's just the matter of like be up to date yeah. and also like change it yeah. due to the new features coming out from the Salesforce. Yeah. Mm, all right, maybe then we can talk about Angular versus React. So you have done project for both third yeah. party. So w- w- what is the reason behind that? Uh, one with another, how do you choose? Uh, also, when I was giving the talk, I remember I was mentioning that there's like the huge fight between the Angular fans and the React fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to the internet, <laughs> just Google for Angular vs React, you can find the bunch of articles and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, I personally think that there is no difference. It, like, of course, there is a difference, but mm-hmm. in terms of performance or like uh, developer experience, that doesn't really matter what to choose, okay. I would say. That's uh, there are like a couple of like the major differences. For example, the Angular has like it's really opinionated. It mm. has one right way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it used TypeScript, which is like the strict types for the JavaScript because okay. it doesn't have types by default. Okay. And uh, for example, React first of all is just a library for the UI, mm-hmm. but w- when we are talking about the React, we mean the whole stack. So we have to choose React, you have to choose your router and okay. all the things together. And that might lead, for example, for junior developers for like, they might might make a mistake hmm. by working on the stack because all the architecture, all the decisions you have to make by yourself. Okay. Whenever Angular basically leads you with the best practices of how to do things. It's a still bit lazy, right, in Angular, you just uh, follow the way. <laughs> it's kind of still there, like, other ways how to, for example, if you build a large-scale application, there are still, like, you need to think about the architecture and mm. all the things, mm. how you would maintain it with a huge team, for example. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah, it has some things that you can just follow. Mm. And that's actually, I like it because, you know, you ha- it has these strict rules. Mm. Like which you could right. follow. Mm. Uh, personally, when I was choosing the framework, it's like for every project, not even like the front end development. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you want to build something, like what language to choose, what 
like database to choose. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's better to choose uh, technology which your team is more experienced with. Right. And for example, for Salesforce development, like all, all of our guys from the team, they're like Salesforce developers, they are familiar with Java mm-hmm. and this TypeScript uh, syntaxis is like compelling to them. It means that they can understand code better because if you would see the normal JavaScript, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for them to understand. But uh, Angular uses this MVC or MVVM pattern, which mm-hmm. is also familiar for the Java developers, mm-hmm. as well as these types, etc., um, different annotations. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier for them to understand, and we already had experience with Angular, so we decided to go with that. Okay. And for the enterprise development, is like the solid choice because of the tooling, all these strict types, mm. etc. A lot of big companies actually using mm. Angular. Yeah, it must be. Now, so Angular is slightly older than React, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's In terms true. of like the documentation and the senior developers, maybe Angular has a bit more advantage over React. Yeah. Okay. But I would say that. In most like enterprise use cases, they're using Angular. For example, for startups and like small companies, it's probably easier to go with React because there are a lot of talents. It's easier for juniors to start with because you don't have to okay. learn something. Really? Because <laughs> 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 it's different from my experience. You know, I, I used to uh, try to learn a bit of React and then search in the internet. There's so many articles, so many GitHub repos telling you, okay, you just follow these articles, this long list, then you get to understand what React is. But Angular, in the other way, is like a, it's easy to follow to me. And MVC is kind of like a really understandable way, at least to me, as like a kind of traditional guy here. So, yeah. Probably the tutorials and documentation is better. But at least in React, you, d- you don't have to learn the Angular-specific syntaxes, for instance. Ah, the NG stuff. Yeah, at least a lot of things pointed out, but I, I don't know, I didn't, like, I haven't found any problems with learning that. Okay. It's okay. not really hard. <laughs> Maybe it's your favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might be. Okay. But at least I heard from a lot of people that React is easier to learn to mm. start with for the junior developers. Mm. One advantage that I think React has, it has this React Native that can help people to build the mobile applications. Uh, actually, for Angular, there is also the framework called Ionic, which allow you ah, to build right. applications for mobile devices. Okay, okay. And you can also add Electron.js and build application for desktop. Mm-hmm. So technically, out of the box, if you combine all these three, mm. you will have one project with Angular code, mm. which could be published to web, every mm. mobile device, and every desktop application. Okay. And for instance, Slack, uh, Spotify, or WhatsApp, they mm. basically are JavaScript applications. Just okay. used Electron to run it on the desktop. Okay. <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's... That's really nice that you can build just one application and publish it like a everywhere. A big ecosystem. You yeah. Can publish everywhere. Okay. That actually means that you can create your Salesforce community or Salesforce application mm-hmm. and install it on your mobile phone or on the desktop. That's okay. also kind of nice. There is no 
such a thing that you miss from lightning component or the native visual force features that you don't have in the third party? Or mm. I think no. <laughs> major, <laughs> I know. We're kind of opinionated uh, in, in this episode, but yeah, okay. Um, I want to come back to one really interesting feature you mentioned. It's that like uh, the the Angular, for example, the Angular framework. We can debug. We can develop on the local environment. Uh, yeah. Right. But uh, the Lightning component, the Visual Force page, we cannot because it's a cloud. It's mm -hmm. running in the cloud. You always have to push your code to the cloud and refresh the, the browser to see what's the, the difference, right? Uh, yeah, because they compile the code on the in cloud. the cloud. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes if it takes, like it doesn't refresh on the first time, you know, that, that might happen. I see that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, can you, like, 100% be sure that uh, everything you render in the local environment is exactly how you will see in the cloud? because maybe there's a little gap? No? It really depends on <laughs> how you will build your application, but technically, mm -hmm. the you are using the same browser locally and in the cloud, so it should render the same way. Okay. Because the only difference is, it's not really difference, but mm -hmm. you have to pull the data from, for example, cloud. Mm. From the Salesforce database, yeah. right? Yeah, but the things how you render them, they're the same on local mm -hmm. machine and in the cloud. So there's like okay. no difference in that term. Hmm. Cool. Um, I, w I want you to walk me through, let's give example a simple Angular um, project. I want to insert into Salesforce Arc to make sure it will run over there. Do you? Like upload all the Angular static files, like HTML, JS, CSS to static resource folder in Salesforce, and then somehow uh, yeah. request from. As there. alternative, you can reference it from somewhere else, but yeah, you can like a uh, CDN. Yeah, you can use CDN for that purpose. Okay. Uh, if we are talking about the Lightning components, it, I think it's even possible to have as an iframe your application because they are using it. For example, okay. if you will add in the app builder Visual Force page to a Lightning component or mm. Lightning page, okay. they will render it inside the iframe because oh, they're using okay. iframes for everything. And technically, you can reference your application from outside to this iframe. Mm. But usually, what we have been doing, we are have been loading it, uploading it to the static resource, okay. and then reference it from the static resource either in Visual Force page or in the Lightning container. Component, and that's it. And that's it. Yeah, because technically, Visual Force page is rendered as the HTML file, mm -hmm. and it will just load all the scripts which you will provide. Okay. The same thing with the Lightning component. Okay. So the developers locally uh, develop the page, um, the Angular page, let's say, and then test the debug, and then once it's ready, they can somehow upload this sta these uh, static files into the static resource in Salesforce and then see the final result. Uh, yeah. That's, that's like that's the development it. process, right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So you don't debug in the cloud anymore 
unless you see this kind of difference, then you come back to the local. So Either you can make it so that like on every change, you will even publish the static resource to the cloud to see the real time changes with the real kind like of environment. Yeah, but I think if you can obtain the access token or session ID, for example, by logging from the ID, you can use it to retrieve data directly from Salesforce on your local machine, meaning that you can run your local server on your local machine, run your application, and it will just get the data, real data from your org via the API, but it will work on your local machine. And oh. it will have this hot refreshing that when you make changes, it will like reload the app. So, so instead of directly call the remote Salesforce API, you call the local server, Local server fetches the data from remote. From Salesforce. From Salesforce. Yeah. But your JavaScript application will run on the local server. Okay. That don't need to uh, render the page and then fetch the data and display in the in the page on your local environment. Yeah. Also, as alternative, you can even make the mock data. Right. Then you don't even have to make any real request to the Salesforce and you can develop with your okay. data. Let's then zoom out to the project level. Mm -hmm. For all these projects that you have done so far with the third-party framework, you basically on the Salesforce side, you only write the Apex code for remote service. Uh, yeah, when you are using the third-party frameworks, yes. Mm. But from my experience, I also been working with Lightning as well. Okay. And with Visual Force page a lot. Okay. So is the uh, what type of code do you need to write in the Salesforce native? Like a Visual Force page? Uh, if you're using Apex. third party, you mm -hmm. have to write only Apex. Okay. And the only thing you'll need is to bootstrap your application in either Visual Force okay. or Lightning component. Okay. And everything else is done in your JavaScript app, which will be located in static resource. Okay. And that's also the good thing to use this third-party libraries to uh, to make it not so heavy for the mm. Apex because you actually can perform a lot of actions on the front-end side and it's kind of, it's more scalable in terms that it doesn't matter how many users are using the application at the same time. It doesn't load the system because like Every user perform all the actions in their own browser. Right, right. So that actually helps shift the computing from the server side yeah, yeah. to the client. Yeah, uh, yeah. As much as possible. Okay. Because sometimes but I know yeah. why my my power <laughs> uses so quickly in my mobile nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But a lot of things you just don't have to perform on the mm. backend side. For example, some of the re-rendering features, if you use the native visual force with this Apex tags, mm. you know, you can like sort the list. For mm. example, if you want to sort the list, what you would do? Mm. You have this Apex repeat with the list elements, right? right? You have to make the call, you have to change it in the controller and re-render it. And it's actually really slow in the like visual force. But in oh, okay. Angular, uh, or React, for example, they're using this Shadow DOM, which mm. basically, like, the, I don't know, boilerplate for the original DOM in the browser. Mm -hmm. And it performs this sorting almost ins instantly. You can even sort, like, thousands, ten of thousands lines or objects. 
okay. and it will re-render them also like instantly, really, really fast. And you can use the pagination and like the only thing you change is like to update the value in the controller mm. so it will be sorted. You don't have to make the call, a necessary call to the back end, mm. like please sort this list, give me back, then it will re-render the whole page. Okay. Etc. So that helps cool. in terms of performance. Mm. And for example, if we are talking about data visualization, that will be really hard to implement on the Salesforce native. Okay. Unless you use the native dashboard reports. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they of course mm. have this native, but mm. I even know that in your company you had these customers which are like were needed the custom data visualization. Right. Yeah, so that still like appears. Okay. And yeah. if you want to really make some like custom and really complicated stuff, mm. because usually I don't know. I I remember I have seen one webinar from IBM. They're using this data visualization, mm -hmm. and they were thinking about the design-driven data visualization when you don't really like uh, visualize the data. Mm -hmm. You create an environment for your users that they can manipulate with the whole environment like mm -hmm. so they can go deeper they can see different metrics they can like filter etc okay. it doesn't really like possible with the dashboards if you want to try to make it interactive okay it's yeah. like a visualization 2.0 point uh, <laughs> 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 nine. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know either but okay yeah i mean Totally, we understand like in the front end area, it's e exploding. It's like every day there's a new framework out there in the GitHub, and the people just like massively contribute their time to the Angular to React, and people really love those th those frameworks. But not even the frameworks, even the language itself, it improved a lot for the past like three or four years. JavaScript. Yeah, yeah JavaScript, because when came ES 2015, mm. the ES6 it's also mm -hmm. called. Mm -hmm. They bring so many new features and it's like become really popular. Mm -hmm. And now, actually, I really like to work with the JavaScript, but I, I know that a lot of people even not consider it as a language, but. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, it used to be just like a toy, a toy in the browser just to yeah. display something yeah. and change something. But nowadays it's really. Yeah, the current state of the language yeah. is yeah. Really good. If any audience, any listener didn't know how how powerful JavaScript nowadays is, then really go to the GitHub to check how many the GitHub repositories about JavaScript. Or go to Stack Overflow to see how many questions are over there about JavaScript. Right. Yeah. Mm. And there's also the new modern trend is the progressive web applications. I don't know if you heard about them. Mm, progress. Okay, tell me. <laughs> Basically, now the JavaScript allows you to run the application on all devices, as we already know, and Google and Microsoft are really pushing it forward, mm -hmm. that instead of the native applications on your phone, you have to use web technology. Mm -hmm. And the progressive web applications, you can use them offline, meaning that you c there is the new thing called service worker, Mm -hmm. And you can cache the data and use it offline. And the coolest thing is that you actually can cache the REST API requests. Okay. So, for example, if you load API request to retrieve contacts from Salesforce once, 
mm-hmm. it will remember it. And if you don't have uh, access to internet on your mobile phone, okay. you can open it and it will load the previously returned value from the API. Ah, oh, so the data will cached in the yeah. service worker. Yeah, yeah you can and specify. If you go to the airplane, then it's like a yeah, because mode. though we have like the really good internet, but it's not really good everywhere. Mm. Like still hotels, trains, airplanes, okay. or some countries don't have like the good internet, but you still have to use something. Exactly. And the progressive pop-ups are meant to be used in the slow networks, okay. slow mobile networks, even offline. Mm. And there are like the huge list of like what should be considered as a progressive web application. And you can just check the checklist. Even in Google Chrome, they have this audit, which is called Lighthouse. And you can audit your web application and see what should be done to okay. to make it the progressive web application. And that's really good that Angular, for example, in CLI, if you will create your application and provide the flag, mm-hmm. like service worker or progressive web app, Mm-hmm. It will even pre-build it so that it will already use the service worker. But regarding the, it's not, by the way, supported in Safari browser, but they already promised it in the next release. Oh, and yeah, regarding the different like app stores, f- for example, Microsoft already allow you to publish your progressive web application mm-hmm. as the native app in their store. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how does it called. <laughs> okay, but. I think that in the near future we will see them also in App Store and Google Play. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have like a um, Salesforce expert here on the spot. <laughs> At least I'm not in two months <laughs> in Salesforce. Because <coughs> I also want to ask in the Salesforce the offline feature. Because we have this uh, Salesforce mobile, right? Mm-hmm. That can talk to the Salesforce backend to render in the mobile applications. It must uh, support certain offline features or something. Right, uh, but it's kind of. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, maybe <laughs> our listeners could give us give us some news later to to yeah. tell us, because it's kind of um, sad here. I'm, I'm I'm kind of a newcomer in in Salesforce. There the definitely a lot of powerful things in Salesforce. Like you you don't need to code everything. A lot of things you can do with a declarative declarative way, like a point and a click. Mm-hmm. That's really, really powerful. But in terms of like uh, the things you mentioned offline or uh, compile develop uh, locally, those things are just are not available. Of course, beca- also partly because, because of the cloud feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, it's kind of like competing with the front-end technology. You have the service worker, and then Salesforce need to come up with its own thing, but unless we really embrace embrace the things from front-end. Right. Yeah. All right. For this episode, maybe we can wrap it up. So I, we talked a lot. And by the way, do you have any like a boots up template for people to play around? Like in GitHub, do, we, do you have uh, something? I don't really have any. I was preparing one GitHub okay. Okay. repository for the talk, okay. which I had recently for the local developer group, mm-hmm. but does not work anymore. Uh, it does work. Okay. Yeah, we can probably put the link to uh, that repository. Yeah, we will add it to our show notes of this episode. Yeah. yeah, but that basically just a very simple example. Okay. And it like requires a couple of manual tasks because it was kind of 
too lazy to okay. <laughs> automate everything. <laughs> Nobody will care about it, but now we really want to. Because um, for me, I want to have a quick look, like how what what things are included in the package and uh, how do you upload it to static? Can I see like a dummy page already rendered in Salesforce? That could be Okay, that's right. actually in place in that repository. Okay. And basically I have different branches for different ways to like manipulate with data. Okay. So there is six branches, I think, three for Visual Force page and different methods to pass and retrieve the data okay. and three for lighting components. Right. And there's like the short uh, description of okay. how to use those. Okay. If you want to contribute, you can also edit the description. It's yeah. also kind of like short All right. one. <laughs> yeah, everyone <laughs> can contribute. That's the, the good thing in GitHub, right? Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say before we uh, close? I think no. Okay. We can cover a lot of things. Okay. I don't know if it's kind of messy or not. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's really good to chat uh, like uh, without writing code, right? <laughs> you yeah. just talk, talk all the time. <laughs> yeah, good. So thank you, Nikita. Um, what we will do is uh, in the show notes, we will put to the topic we have discussed in this episode, also some links you mentioned, um, some project sites and your company website. Yeah, I think right? we also can put some links for the JavaScript, basically for third-party frameworks mm -hmm. or right, different right. tools. So if people are interested, they can go and check, check right. it out. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, Nikita. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Talk to you later then.